You're listening to the Laugh Factory Podcast Network. For more shows, visit the podcast page at laughfactory.com. The fans got to stop throwing crap. We just saw a guy get hit in the head and he's down, split his head wide open. The fans have got to control themselves. People are getting hurt. Live from the world-famous Laugh Factory on the Sunset Strip, this is the Fanatics Podcast with your host, Sean Joshi. Hey, y'all. Welcome to another Fanatics Podcast. It is Monday morning, August, what is it, 23rd or 24th? It doesn't matter because we are recording live from the Laugh Factory in Hollywood, guys. And we are so happy to be with you today for one I wasn't even sure I was going to survive <laughs> to make it to this morning. I took uh, an Uber last night from the airport, which, uh, how do I say, it was the most interesting Uber ride I've ever taken in my life before. I don't know if you've ever taken an Uber and actually questioned whether you would make it to the other <laughs> end of the destination before, but like this was definitely one of those. Have you ever been in a, I'm here with my producer, Tommy, have you ever been in an Uber where you were just like questioning the safety and whether you should immediately pull over and get the fuck out of the car <laughs> just roll out oh my i God. mean it's never been that bad but dude i've had one other be- one before this that was pretty bad there was this lady and she was just like crazy lady from the oc uh she had lipstick all over her teeth and she kept talking about how her son was captain uh, quarterback <laughs> captain of the team and her and her daughter was the head cheerleader and the whole time she was like swerving like in and out oh of lane God. i was just over but yesterday i reached a new frontier in crazy uber drivers it started out super entertaining like she she was telling me about uh this wnba coach who was like trying to pick up on her but i i i, I soon realized like after the first minute of the rant, after the second minute of the rant, after the third minute of the rant, after the fourth minute of the rant, <laughs> without saying a single word that maybe this isn't exactly normal. But here is my uh, Uber driver. So I'm in the backseat cowering for my life, figuring out at least I have recording evidence in case it comes to insurance purposes. <laughs> you know what I mean? Jesus. No. So this was a lady. She was actually very sweet. Uh in her own way but she's just out of her fucking mind so apparently some WNBA coach kept trying to like hit her up this is this is my uber driver honey this WNBA coach he ain't gonna be or he's gonna take me out no I'm not gonna be sitting up there waiting around while I got bills dude and you know let me see if he's gonna give me some cash I I don't scheme like that I don't think like that this is a platform I'm a youth I'm saying I'm a beautiful woman, but I got this up here too, and I'm not about to be sleeping around town trying to come up to pay a bill. That's just not me. Which, fair enough. So far, like, there, I'm with her. You know, it's just like, this is where my thought process, I'm starting to think, hey, maybe the extra money to pay for a taxi is actually fucking worth it. Because, <laughs> you know, like, that's the whole thing. Like, taxi drivers, they actually have to be regulated. They have to go through, like, driver's license tests. You know what I mean? They have to get regular drug and alcohol testing. You know, the other <laughs> flip side of that is, like, you know, to get to my apartment from LAX, I live kind of near Runyon Canyon in Hollywood. It costs maybe $26, okay, yeah, yeah. from LAX. If I were to take a taxi, the same measure... It would literally cost eighty-five to a hundred fucking dollars. You know what I mean? Damn, yeah. So yeah, actually, yeah. 
fuck regulation. I'd rather have the guy high on crack as long as I get home <laughs> <laughs> for $60 cheaper. But it didn't end. Like, this just kept going, like, on and on and on. And if you notice, like, I don't say anything. Listen for the words that I say throughout all of this. There's no sugarcoating it because you don't get it. <laughs> and I'm not about to go. And see, I learned my lesson from the coach because I had to pull over. And I'm texting this man back and forth. It's like, yeah, I'm, I'm about to. I, I said, I need to get something to eat. I'm getting some um, Thai. I got a curve one of my one of my favorite Thai spots or whatever. Oh, I wasn't invited. It was like this little puppy that was like, oh, what about me? But we could have went out. I would have paid. Literally, he said that. Dude, I'm getting lunch. I'm on my way to home to take a shower, to nap, so I can go back out and get my hustle on. I don't have time to be messing with you. You feel me? I really want to know who this WNBA coach is because he's just been putting on fucking <laughs> blast, bro. You know what I mean? But if you notice, I haven't said anything this entire fucking time, man. And it goes, it goes on. Don't That's the most like a laugh I've never laughed in my life. That's like, like it's like, oh, bro, you better laugh right now so she doesn't fucking shank you in the back of this fucking Uber right now. It's like the fucking uh, Count Chocula laugh from Sesame Street or whatever it is. One, two. Yeah, she goes on. That's me because I, I, this is me. My mama no, ain't I can me tell nothing. you're golden. You got a golden heart. Don't. Shine. <laughs> Let me tell you. Okay? Yes. Thank you. I appreciate that too. Yeah. That. Yeah. You're special as well for you to even recognize that because some that's oh, called self-realization. You. you know what I'm saying? That's you on a whole nother vibe itself, you know? So I don't have to have too many disclosures with you because you just totally understand what I'm saying. You know? But I'm a and, and, and This is when I was like, you know what? Maybe is she is completely sane and reasonable. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? But that was my adventure home, dude. <laughs> But I was like, is it really kind of like worth it that much to like save money, you know, but have like completely no fucking oversight on these people whatsoever? Like, it's kind of crazy. We just get into cars like, with these strangers and shit. I wouldn't let an Uber driver drive me home in a bus or a plane. You know what I mean? Right. But so like, why would you let her? Why, why would you let anybody drive you home like in their car? people. Yeah, it's terrible, dude. My favorite Uber drivers are uh, Asian people because <laughs> they don't say shit to you when yeah. they're in the car. <laughs> like, you get in, and they will not say shit to you the entire way. That is a five-star review in my bag. You know what? Yeah, yeah. Not only do they not say anything, they act like they're angry at you the entire time, like you farted in the back seat or something like that. <laughs> you know? The worst Uber drivers of all time, sorry to you, are white dudes. White dudes <laughs> are the worst. Because I think they feel some kind of inferiority complex that like when because you Because they're driving Uber? Yeah. And then you're in the back seat and like, oh, I'm driving. And then they have to explain to you where their entire life went like off the rails and shit. <laughs> That's so true. It's so true. Like every time I get in an Uber with a white dude, I have to hear their entire life story, their failings, how they feel about their mother when their dad left them, the whole oh fucking thing. God. Oh, I'm a, I don't do this, bro. I'm actually a graphic designer. You know, I just do this between. <laughs> it's like everyone like apologizes to you for driving fucking Uber in the first place. <laughs> 
It's crazy. I was like, can't you just be a nice Chinese man who only knows one fourth of the language and he gets in and we don't have to talk at all? Because I feel cringeworthy for you, bro. I feel so cringe right now. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, but I made it here. This is what I want to say to them. <laughs> Fuck yeah! <laughs> cheers, bro! <laughs> the cheers, bro guy, the unofficial mascot of fanatics. But yeah. How much is it really worth? And that segue alert, can we get a segue alert, Tommy? Say segue alert. Segue alert. And that really got me thinking about NFL training camps. You know what I mean? <laughs> and how much the value of a dollar is really worth, you know? Like, I was, I was thinking about the Dallas Cowboys, and you're looking at their training camp, and, you know, they have a lot of pieces. You know, Jalen Smith, uh, the linebacker they drafted from Notre Dame, he had to essentially had an injury redshirt year, is there now making plays all over the fucking field. You know, they draft, they have a great offensive line. Now they have this wrong, young quarterback, and they have this young running back. They have all those fucking pieces, but they have zero wide receivers. They have absolutely nobody to throw to. Yeah. You know what I mean? And what did they do at the beginning of the year? They cut the NFL receiver with the most touchdown reception between 2012 and 2017 and Des Bryant. And why do they do it? To save money. You know what I mean? <laughs> so it's like between that and like this $7 million you were going to say, by the way, you, you have the most ridiculous stadium in the history of sports, literally called Jerry World, a billion-dollar stadium, and you, you want to save an extra $7 million on Des Bryant. You know, when he has familiarity with your quarterback, you have no receivers, and you easily, even if he's at a deteriorated state, which he very, very well may be, you get another year of familiarity with a young a quarterback while you try to, like, find your way or whatever you know what i mean so like i don't know i don't think these teams are that smart because you know what you do with des bryant you move him to the inside slot receiver just like larry fitzgerald did with the cardinals and it extended his fucking career in an amazing way larry fitzgerald had 109 catches led the cardinals last year after having to move inside uh, from from the outside position three years ago, Dallas absolutely could have done that here, and they just didn't because they had the lack of foresight to be able to do so, you know, which is why I have a theory, man. I think an NFL team should let me run one of their <laughs> fucking franchises, you know, and I think, I think our listeners, a number of them could do it too because it's like I, if you've done over a 1,000, Madden franchise permutations, <laughs> you can probably run an NFL franchise. Like, I'm so serious. How bad are the Cleveland Browns and how bad, how long have they been that bad? You know what I mean? You're telling me I couldn't do a better job than that since fucking 2002? I would have gotten you in the playoffs three or four times. You may have had <laughs> twice as many scandals, but I would have gotten you into the fucking playoffs. The oh, worst man. GM, the worst GM. I've ever seen was Ryan Grigson, who was GM of my Indianapolis Colts the year after Peyton Manning left two, two years ago. Okay. He turned the most winning decade of football in NFL history, which was 2000 to 2010 Indianapolis Colts regular season games, into the equivalent of what is now an expansion franchise. There is zero talent on that team. It's laughable. It's ridiculous. It's like we have as much talent as the CFL Saskatchewan Rough Riders and Andrew Luck. Like, that is how bad 
Ryan Grigson is. This is this is this is this is further illustrates how terrible he was. He traded a first round draft pick, a first round draft pick to the Browns for Trent Richardson. Not like let alone I don't believe you should trade first round draft picks for running backs. That's a position of depth you can get anywhere in the draft and really you know, uh, you can you can pick up on the bargain bin and free agency just fine. But not only did he spend a first round draft pick on an NFL running back, he spent one on Trent Richardson, who is probably playing for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders right now. Like the dude average, I think it was it was the lowest in the history of the NFL up to that point for a minimum amount of carries. Right. And I think it was two point something like that's what we used to call him in my house. Two yard Trent. You know what I mean? And he's out of the league now. This guy, he's out of the league, Trent Richardson. Ryan Grigson, you know who he traded to? The Cleveland Browns, okay? Ryan Grigson was so bad, he got gypped by the Cleveland Browns, okay? Trust me, that's two teams that you could probably GM right now. You know, I know I could. You know how I know? Do you know where Ryan Grigson is working right now? For the Cleveland fucking Browns. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I don't know what's going on with them. But, yeah, so welcome to our NFC training camp preview. We're leading with crazy Uber drivers and the Dallas Cowboys. But I don't know. I think the Cowboys really made a mistake um, that year that they found Dak. When Tony Romo got healthy, they should have gone with Romo for the rest of that year and see where it ended up and then given Dak the next year because I totally believe that Romo was a better quarterback that year. The one series that he played – he actually uh, led them down the field and threw a touchdown to, I believe, Des Bryant, you know? <laughs> so, and that's another reason for Des's production. Dak and him just never really got, you know, you know, great chemistry, and Dak's a young quarterback, so it'll be interesting. But, uh, yeah, so who's next, Tommy, on our NFC preview? <clears throat> the Bucks. The Bucks. This should be a short one. Here's what I'm hearing out of training camp for the Bucks: Stay out of any Uber <laughs> that Jameis Winston is in. Okay, next team. <laughs> the Packers. The Green Bay Packers, Titletown, subject of our uh, our rest of the story last week. If you missed that bit, go back and listen where we told the story of Max McGee, who was hungover and had a threesome and was pretty much the Super Bowl MVP. But we told that story if you go back and listen to last week's podcast. But now fast forward to 2018, and how are the Green Bay Packers looking? Actually, pretty damn good. I think the biggest thing that's coming out of Packers camp this year is, holy shit, Cheeseheads may have actually finally found a secondary. Maybe uh, Aaron Rodgers will actually get some decent practice reps. Um, after years of what it feels like uh, ineptitude in the backfield, word on the streets is the Green Bay Packers may have finally fixed their secondary woes. They signed longtime Packer Traymon Williams, who had left for a couple years. In addition, they re-signed Davin House. But that's not the lay of the land, ladies and gentlemen. The big news is the drafting of Jair Alexander in the first round at 18 and Josh Jackson in the second round. Um, both look like absolutely uh, solid picks who may even end up, I don't know if they'll start one, two, but at least two, three. 
Uh, they have three picks between them in the preseason already, which is pretty ridiculous. But just to continue on the whole idea that like teams don't know what they're doing, Josh Jackson led the league, led the NCAA in interceptions last year. I knew that motherfucker was going to be a stud. I wanted the Colts to get him, but no. Apparently his 4-4 time isn't up to snuff. But uh, not according to Green Bay uh, practice where he's a p- completely been a terror and maybe even the best cornerback in their backfield, which is pretty fucking important. Because if you have Aaron Rodgers, like literally all you need to do is piece together a decent resemblance of a defense to give him a shot, okay? And just to give you an idea, the Packers reached the NFC Championship game in 2006, so not last year. But what do you think their rankings were on defense, okay? Green Bay was ranked 31st in passing defense and 26th in quarterback rating, and that's where they lost 44-21 to Atlanta. So, like, just give them a little bit, just a little bit of defense, and I bet you my boy A-Rod can get him back there. But, yeah, Tremont Williams is actually interesting. He's 35 years old. He first played for the Packers in 2005, which means that dude has been on the Packers since the Bush administration, okay? And he's saying this may be uh, the best backfield secondary that they've had. Um, Other than that, you're not going to keep three quarterbacks on the Packers. You're going to cut probably Deshaun Kaiser, who you traded former first-rounder Demetrius Randall for, but that's neither here nor there because the man of the hour will be Aaron Rodgers, who is now stooping my high school crush, who all my friends thought I was so weird for liking in Indianapolis, and that was Danica Patrick. And what do I have to say to my friends now? Congratulations, Aaron. Wait, let me cue this up. And what did I say to my friends? I think you told the critics tonight. There we go. Look at me. Cue that up flawlessly. Who, what team do we have next? Uh, next up, the Bears. The Bears! May I just say, if there are any Bears fans listening, I'm so sorry, but you guys annoyed <laughs> me so fucking much. I grew up in Indianapolis. I went to college at IU. And, like, our most, uh, our biggest, how should I say, classification of people who weren't indie people were Chicago people. And you guys are the most delusional fans in the history of sports. No, I, Lakers fans are the most delusional because <laughs> they think everybody's coming to their team at yeah. the end of the year. LeBron, which he did. But, you know, <laughs> Paul George is coming. Russell Westbrook. Fucking Jesus Kawhi. is going to re-sign with the Lakers <laughs> as soon as he comes back. But Bears fans, no matter how shit their team was the previous year— always think the next year the Bears are going to be so good. And if you question them, and dear God, don't question them in a bar past 10 p.m., you're probably going to initiate a hate crime is all I'm going to say. But uh, the Bears, you know, you know, actually, I like the way you guys are trending. You're going to be shit for a year or two, but your coach is one of these new age coaches. And I think by kind of – Breaking down the way Matt Nagy sees um, preseason, we can see the trend uh, toward which preseason is moving. And let me explain what I mean by that. There's a reason I call this a training camp preview and not a preseason preview. Coaches just don't see value in the preseason or use the preseason the way that they did in years past, and it's certainly not as imp- uh, important to the Bears, and you can just tell by the way they played their last preseason game, 
uh, why they're so indicative of that, which is Matt Nagy, usually in the third preseason of the game, is really the closest thing you have for a dress rehearsal for the regular season, meaning you're going to play your starters for probably three three quarters at least. Nagy didn't do anything of that. Not only did he not play him, he didn't start him, he didn't do anything about it. And that's really where you're going to see um, – where you're going to see preseason moving forward. It's just going to be more and more for the backups. And really weeks one through four are really effectively uh, used for what the preseason used to be used for back in the day. You know, but you got to keep everything in context. You know, they were playing as many as seven preseason games in in the late 70s. So I think you're going to see more and more of this uh, videation at kind of the core of what preseason used to be with young coaches like Matt Nagy um, kind of, you know, leading that charge. And, you know, the thing about Matt Nagy is he is a young coach, but he's also considered one of the forward uh, thinkers in the game, which is why so many people are actually really kind of excited about where the Bears are heading and what they could potentially do on offense. And if you don't know where Matt Nagy came from, he was the Chiefs offensive coordinator. Which is really interesting, okay? Because Andy Reid is not hasn't won the Super Bowl, so he hasn't he kind of lacks that final, you know, status symbol to get him, you know, on the next tier of NFL coaching greats or whatever. But in terms of his influence on the league and his kind of past schemes, um, they've been absolutely revolutionary. I just want to read to you. This is a list of. Coaches from the Andy Reid coaching tree. And it's absolutely, it is absolutely, it is staggering. Even more so than the Patriots one. Because those guys, you know, the Belichick tree, they'll go off and they'll just usually fail. You know what I mean? Yeah. They'll just eat, you know, heavy fat dicks wherever <laughs> they go. And it seems like they can only exist kind of under that, under that Belichick patriarchy where everything is safe. But that's not the case with... Um, with Andy Reid. Look at all the coaches now that have been uh, started by Andy Reid. Here we go. We have uh, John Harbaugh, Ron Rivera, Steve Spagnola, Todd Bowles, Doug Peterson, Super Bowl winning Doug Peterson, uh, Sean McDermott, Matt Nagy, um, Brad Childress, Leslie Frazier, Pat Shermer. I mean, that's like easily a quarter, <laughs> almost a tenth or a quarter of the league's coaches right now. So fat ass Kool Aid, man actually kind of knows what the hell he's doing. Um, so, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see kind of what Nagy does with Trubitsky, who is a very interesting talent, has a lot of athletic ability, has had an up-and-down preseason. So it's kind of interesting. So that's a big uh, debate in Chicago is whether right now uh, Nagy should be getting Trubitsky snaps. And Nagy says, let me be clear, um, he goes, for somebody to tell me right now that 25 or 30 preseason reps is going to go ahead and make him a better player week one, week two, week three, it's not going to happen. I think that's fucking retarded, for lack of a better word. I'm sorry. If you tell a comic 
you don't need to go up on stage. Uh, you know, just go sit <laughs> home and practice. And yeah, you're just gonna you, you just do it. Uh, show up at stage time. It's not gonna work like that. It's yeah, just yeah. simply not gonna work. When you're that young, literally everything is permutations and reps. He needs to see everything so that he can see it. Because then, otherwise, when he sees it, it's gonna be in a game, a real life game. Maybe he learns something in that. Maybe he sees a blitz. Maybe he picks up on a blitz. You don't know. Thirty reps for a young quarterback is literally one-seventeenth of their career. One-seventeenth of his career. So you're telling me you could add one-seventeenth more value and you wouldn't do that? Mm. You know? So, I don't know. That doesn't make sense to me. Other than that, Chicago, uh, Kevin White uh, caught his first touchdown pass since the year of 2014. So that's a little bit of a feel-good story. I like those. I like those stories, man. When guys get injured and they come back and they play well, it's good. Beautiful. I like people. I, it's beautiful, right? Yeah. I like seeing people succeed in their dreams, <laughs> which is why I watch Shark Tank. I love it. I love it. All right. Who's our next team? The Rams. Rammies. L.A. Rams, a.k.a. Uh, the team most likely to do cocaine the night before <laughs> games. Uh, this team is so stacked, it's fucking ridiculous. You're not supposed to have this much talent on one team it's kind of crazy but teams like this generally don't work in football super teams don't work like the golden state warriors when dan when dan snyder first took over the redskins he tried it where they had Deion sanders and bruce smith they finished like five and eleven you know what i mean maybe because those guys played for the redskins but they were probably actually at the original thanksgiving dinner you know what i mean <laughs> but the eagles also tried it recently in Chip Kelly's second to last year, last year, remember one of the cornerbacks was like, we got the dream team, dog. We got the dream team, dog. They missed the playoffs, and Chip Kelly was fired. I don't know. He's at UCLA now, right? So stacking free agent talent doesn't work in the NFL, but there's just so much of it on this team. Like, they had five players in the ESPN 100. Um, Todd Gurley, Marcus Peters, Domicong Sue um, and Andrew Whitworth and uh, I forget who the fifth one was, but I mean the team just said. Then you have Aqib Talib, Goff, Brandon Cooks, Lamarcus Joyner, Sam Shields, one of those guys who's been hurt for a year or two but looks like a stud now. So I mean it's completely ridiculous. Not only that, they have what some call the steal of the draft. Now they drafted this kid out of Tennessee in the sixth round. His name is John Kelly. He looks fucking better than Todd Gurley. <laughs> In the preseason, which is why you don't need to draft running backs high. You know what I mean? You don't need you, the only way you draft running backs high is if you're actually high. You don't need to get running backs in the first round. It's crazy. Like you know, I remember the Ryan Grigson, Trent Richardson trade. I was sitting in Barcelona with my parents. They were visiting. We were outside of the Holiday Inn Express, and my dad said. My dad said, oh, we just traded Trent Richardson for a first-round pick. I said, Dad, that is the dumbest fucking thing I've ever heard in my life. To this day, it is the only thing my dad will ever say, admit that I was right about. <laughs> he says, well, son, you were right about that one. I can't believe we traded for Trent Richardson. So it doesn't make sense to me why you know people value running backs in the first round. But, yeah, the Rams have an embarrassment of riches, but I don't think they're going to finish at that same 12-4, and 11-5 pace that you saw last year because it comes down to Jared Goff and Sean McKay's 
uh, relationship and how that impacts the offense in terms of um, in terms of how much that dude is ready. You know, I have something. It's called the Blake Borders Bortles rule. If I can say his fucking name, the Blake Bortles rule. And what the Blake Bortles rule, and remember this one, my friends, keep this one handy, okay? Especially in your fantasy, when you're talking to friends, whatever it is. The Blake Bortles rule. You cannot judge a QB by one good year, okay? It's like the fucking scientific method. You have to be able to recreate the results of the experiment, okay? And and prove your hypothesis. Blake Bortles threw what, like? Third, something 27 touchdowns, 32 touchdowns with like five interceptions, seven interceptions. It was crazy. But now you can see that the dude eats shit. You know what I mean? So I'm not ready to say that uh, Jared Goff is is good yet, but we'll see now. You know, it's according to the Blake Bortles rule, which used to be the Colin Kaepernick rule, but now it's, now it's the Blake Bortles rule. But yeah, I just see them having a hard time matching that offensive output, even though I think they're loaded. And I do like Jared Goff. You know what I mean? Like Rams, uh, <laughs> uh, like Sean McVay uh, has a really hot girlfriend. You know what I mean? And, uh, well, he does. He's 32. It's the first time there's been a coach that's younger than me. He's got me by a few months, but still. <laughs> it makes me so angry. It's like the first time. I remember I was dropping a deuce a uh, <laughs> sophomore year in college at my friend's house, and I was reading the Playboy. And I was reading, um, I like to learn about the Playmates, you know, oh, like oh, see what their interests are and stuff. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. there's actually some very intelligent Playmates. I believe it. And uh, I remember and I was 19 and the Playmate was 18. And I said, <laughs> what the fuck, bro? And next thing I knew is I was bald. And now, <laughs> and now Sean McVay is younger than me. And I'm not coaching for an NFL team. I'm not a GM. I would like to be. So if you happen to have any friends who run NFL franchises, even like a shitty one, even like <laughs> even a sh- like the you know the Jaguars, I would totally run a Jaguars. I would do that. I would have no problem doing that. Even give me like the Bills. I would run the shit out of the Bills. Mm. You know? I would do it. But um <laughs> so Sean McVay's got a really hot girlfriend. A couple of my favorite moments of the offseason were uh were Jared Goff's group text got leaked in which he said he'd totally lay the pipe on Sean McVay's girlfriend, which should be a pretty interesting team bonding moment. <laughs> you know what I mean? But my all-time favorite uh, Jared Goff moment will always be uh, that he didn't know what side of the sky the sun rises on. <laughs> which, like, to be fair, you know, like, I do this tinfoil hat podcast, Sam, friend of the show, yeah, Sam yeah. Tripoli. And I've done it before a live, um, a live, uh, I don't know, not a press conference, but a live taping of it with like Eddie Bravo and Sam Mm -hmm. on stage. And, you know, Eddie Bravo, famous Eddie Bravo, MMA guy. He's on Joe Rogan a lot. This guy believes in his heart of hearts that the earth is flat. Like he really believes it. Yeah. And, you know, the thing about it is he's good at arguing it. You know what I mean? Like, I know what he's saying is false, but there's like a couple of scientists who are in the audience and they were like trying to like debate with him. And like Eddie was winning the debate. You know what I mean? Like clearly those guys were right. Yeah, yeah. But they didn't know how to argue with him. 
Right. You know what I mean? Which really, to me, was indicative of our entire democracy. Yeah. <laughs> like damn. the guy who believes the Earth is flat is winning the debate with the two like atmospheric scientists and shit. <laughs> so, so I was like, really, this is just fucking 2017 or 2018 in a fucking nutshell. Yeah. So like, uh, just like Kyrie Irving doesn't think the Earth is flat. I but heard that. Kyrie Irving actively thinks the Earth isn't flat. Yeah. Jared Goff just doesn't know. <laughs> where the sun rises like there's a difference you know so here's uh uh jared goss quarterbacks coach chris wanky giving him shit thing i'll say is quarterbacks historically are usually pretty smart and dylan if i asked you where the sun rises <laughs> oh, and where whoa. the sun sets can you tell me yeah oh it does <laughs> okay well, I so happen to I happen to ask Jared Goff where the sun rises and where the sun sets, no, and he no. said he wasn't sure. No. <laughs> oh man, the I'm way he sets it up too. Oh my god, I'm sorry. <laughs> That'll never get old to me, dude. That'll never. Go. I just love when people are dumb, because <laughs> I'm dumb, yeah. so I like to see when I can recognize it in other people. All right, who do we got next? Oh shoot! Next up, the Cardinals. Cardinals. Okay. Let me preface this by saying I consider myself an honorary Jew, okay? <laughs> because Hindus and Jews historically have a very close relationship. That's why they call us Hindus, okay? You find <laughs> any Hindu or any Jew out there and they will tell you the same thing, okay? So this <laughs> okay. is why I'm very excited about Josh Rosen. I'm very excited about Jewish quarterback, man. Like, I would have been one of those kids who was told, oh, Sandy Koufax, you know? I would have <laughs> loved that. I like the Beastie Boys. So, man, yeah. I'm really excited about Josh Rosen, and not only because he has a huge nose. Well, also because he has a huge nose. Because I have to tell you something. Our, my boy, Manu, Ginobili. Ginobili <laughs> retired today. Jo Ginobili was a hero for two marginalized communities, okay? <laughs> and that one was big-nosed people, and the other was bald people, okay? So in Manu Ginobili, I've lost a champion of two of my causes, which are, you know, big noses and bald people. But now, who is it to step into that void? <laughs> Josh Rosen. He's got me on the big nose. I'm just hoping in the next 15 years <laughs> he has as much testosterone as I do, and he can bald appropriately. You know what I mean? Good chance, dude. I think he got a good chance. So I'm very, very excited <laughs> about Josh Rosen. And uh, let me see. What did I have for them? I had something. Josh Rosen. <laughs> you don't even talk about the team. You're like, hey, the quarterback, though. <laughs> hope he gets bald. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I hope you have a very bald quarterback. <laughs> I do. Well, you know, the Cardinals, we're going to have to see how things shake out on defense. Um First round of that Nick Kemedici or whatever his name is. I had a lot of hopes for that guy out of Nebraska. But, you know, it doesn't seem like he's going to translate. So, really, it's going to come down to the offense. It's going to down as David Johnson going to be healthy. You know what I mean? And then when my boy Josh Rosen comes in, who's, you know, the most intelligent quarterback in the NFL already <laughs> to this day. You know what I mean? So, I can't wait until the inevitable Sam Bradford injury in week three so we can see my boy Rosen and see what he's got from which I'm hearing is very great. He can make all of the throws 
and he commands respect in the huddle. His teammates really like him, which is important, you know, because you're getting all those weird draft rumors <laughs> that his teammates didn't like him and stuff. And yeah, Sam Bradford gets hurt a lot. This is basically Sam Bradford. God damn it. I queued all these up wrong. All right. Pretend you didn't hear that. For comedic timing effects. Here we go. Yeah. And this is basically Sam Bradford. They called me Mr. Glass. <laughs> they called me Mr. Glass. What movie is that from? Name that. Let's play Name That Movie, Tommy. What's oh, that movie? Shit. I don't even know. You don't even know, I bro? Even know, you don't oh, even know, man. bro? Oh, oh, my God, Tommy. What the fuck, Tommy? How do you not know that? This is the movie that actually, it, it, it kind of actually heralded the age of superhero movies before there were superhero movies. Oh, man. Oh, should I guess? Guess. <sighs> it's not X-Men. It's definitely not X-Men. It's not X-Men. Bruce, it's an Indian directed it. Oh, fuck. Shyamalan, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Shyamalan. Oh, man. Another bald man is in it. One of my bald heroes. I'm thinking it's not The Happening. It's not Sixth ja- Sense. It's Jason, not Jason Statham took his place as the sexiest bald man in the world. Dude, I don't know. Bruce Willis. Dude, I don't know. It is fucking unbreakable. Oh unbreakable. My God. That Samuel L. Jackson is Mr. Glass, the character who breaks his bones upon like the gentlest of, of <laughs> blows. You know what I mean? Which is what I think Sam Bradford is a lot like. But yeah, it's going to be really interesting. So you never watched Unbreakable? I never watched Unbreakable, no. Um, Unbreakable was really kind of interesting because, you know, it was maybe Shyamalan's last great movie. Mm. And then... Um, you know, he fell except off for Airbender, a creative, obviously. except for Airbender. Yeah. He fell off a creative cliff, like so to speak. But you know, he had Split come out, which Split was pretty good. Yeah. But the revelation at the end of Split was it takes place inside that Unbreakable universe. Oh so the next God. movie that's coming out is called Glass, and it's going to be that character. So we're finally going to get to see Sam Bradford on the big screen, guys. <laughs> okay, and who do we have next? Forty Niners. The Niners, uh, my brother-in-law or my future brother-in-law, I should say, is a Niners fan. And I can remember him talking to him when they were 0-4 or 0-5. And he was like, no, bro, they're actually pretty good. And I remember thinking, wait a minute, pretty good. They're 0-4. This guy thinks they're pretty good. And he's about to marry my sister. <laughs> I don't know. Wait a minute. You know, I was like, Sheen, maybe you should think about this. The Niners are 0-5, and, and this guy thinks they're pretty good. <laughs> what if you get in bad economic situation, for better or worse, and this guy is raining sunshine up your ass? You know what I mean? Yeah. But then they traded for Jimmy G, and they won five straight games, and he was right. So I guess go ahead and marry my sister. Otherwise, if they would have kept losing, there would have been a problem. All right, next team. <laughs> the Eagles. The Eagles? Is it the Eagles or the Redskins? The Eagles. Oh, you're so lucky, Tommy, that this is my fault and not your <laughs> fault. You're right. I did right. Say Redskins instead. <clears throat> the Redskins. <laughs> the Redskins. Where are we on time right now? <laughs> We're probably pretty deep. I would say like 40, 50 minutes. 40, 50 minutes? Okay. Um, Redskins. First thing on the Redskins is um, Adrian Peterson. 11 rushes for 56 yards here i feel the same way about adrian if you don't know the reds can sign adrian peterson and after the injury of uh, Derek gietze 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 
um, they're probably he's probably going to start, which really pisses me off about the NFL. I'm not going to get in the Kaepernick thing. That's a whole other ball of wax. But look at Des Bryant. I know Des Bryant can still play football. I knew two years ago Adrian Peterson could still play football. Yet, for whatever reason, these guys don't get a shot. And I think so many times these GMs just err on the side of youth, which I totally get going with youth, especially in football, the way it's set up. You have to. But there are times you can pick and choose your moments with veterans. I'm thinking three years ago, uh, the Arizona Cardinals, when they made their Super Bowl or NFC year, uh, they signed Dwight Freeney in week nine or 10, and he ended up leading their team in sacks, okay? Then you saw last year, Adrian Peterson was on the Saints, completely the wrong situation for him. They were running Ingram more. Uh, they're a pass-happy offense, and it was completely the wrong situation. He went to Arizona, and he got a couple chances, and when the first week or two he was there, he had a 100-yard game. Adrian Peterson can still be a workhorse in the fucking NFL, and watch. I will not be surprised if he's the only glimmer, spark, and hope, and the main engine of that Redskins offense going forward. But the main thing about the Redskins, and the main thing about the Redskins that will always be for the rest of time, and I've referenced it before, that Dan Snyder has control of that team, is their training camp doesn't fucking matter because you have one of the shittiest, if not shittiest, owner in the history of American sports. You know, Jimmy Dolan of the mm. Knicks was so shitty for so long. He kind of like, uh, he kind of uh, provided like, uh, you know, like. He inspired sh- other owners. Yeah, he, he, you know, he, he like, uh, like shit countermeasures. You know yeah, what I yeah. mean? Where the missiles were coming in toward Dan Snyder's shittiness, but like Jimmy Dolan was so shitty, it distracted yeah. the heat seeking shit targets to Jim Dolan's shittiness. You know what I'm trying to say? <laughs> yeah. But, you know, let us not forget how shitty uh, Dan, uh, Dan Snyder is. And I'm always reminded of this, uh, one of my favorite moments in Colbert. If You know, first of all, it is ridiculous that there's a team named the Redskins. That is yeah, yeah. a literal racial slur. It's like, it's a slur. You know what I mean? It's I would like, never call a person a Redskin. I would yeah. never call. It's like if, if, if I had a team and it was named like the Indian, like, Curry Heads. <laughs> Yeah. The Indian curry breaths or something like that. Yeah, the Indian coolies. You know what I mean? My favorite moment, if you watch the movie Gandhi, is Gandhi comes back to India, right? Real quick. He was wearing like, a Redskins jersey. No, he was wearing a Redskins jersey. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And he goes, he, Gandhi actually made his name in South Africa. Uh, that's where he got his bones as a lawyer and everything over there. And he really came back to India and he didn't know the country. So he's coming back to India, and everyone's waiting for him to come off the platform. This is in, in the movie, right? And the English guy is, is looking for a nice lawyer in his prim suit. Mm. And Gandhi uh, comes out you know, wearing a dhoti, which is like those Indian religious garb, let's say. And the English guy goes, my God, that's Gandhi. I thought he was a lawyer. He looks like a coolie. You know what oh, I mean? my God. So, yeah, racism can be hilarious, but not in this <laughs> context sirs and madams yeah it'd be like i don't know it'd be like naming something that you could get into a million you know thing pieces and you get in trouble with it but the redskins have been able to uh subsist but it reminds me of the time when uh colbert got in trouble so the washington redskins made a foundation to try to get away with it this was snyder's move he was gonna name a uh a charity for Native Americans called the Washington Redskins Original Americans Foundation. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> here, here's here's Colbert's response to that. 
charitable outreach that I formed my own charity, the Ching Chong Ding Dong Foundation for Sensitivity to Orientals or whatever. <laughs> that was Wednesday. The Ching Chong Ding Dong Foundation for Sensitivity to Orioles or whatever, which is clearly ton in cheek. Yeah, yeah, He's yeah, making yeah. a set like this is so ridiculous <laughs> yeah. that if you if you could name something the Washington Redskins, you could name something the Ching Chong Ding Dong Foundation for Sensitivity, for sensitivity to Orientals to or, whatever. or whatever, right? And I don't know if you remember the whole cancel Colbert. Like some chick got mad about yeah, this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, oh, you can't do this. You can't do that. And it's like this is where I am. You know what I mean? The right, which was Snyder, is so fucking crazy to even think that this can exist. And then this is the perfect encapsulation about mm -hmm. how the far left goes yeah. after culture. Then you know you have you have Steve Colbert who's making a political point on your side using yeah. humor to do so. Uh -huh. And what is the far fucking left like millennial liberal culture thing? They come after Colbert. Yeah, you know what I mean. It's like who are your allies here? Mm -hmm. And if you're gonna if you're gonna so far alienate those people who are on your side, it's gonna make your cause so much harder to like get to where you're going. So basically, sure. here's what I'm saying. I'm running for president in 2020. Joshi.gov, I will be the benevolent <laughs> dictator that runs this world into peace. I did not mean to do that with my hand. But oh anyways. Oh my God, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, strength through peace. Sean Joshi for dictatorship. If we're gonna go for a dictatorship, why not Sean Joshi's dictatorship, right? <laughs> and he's so well-spoken. And I'm so well-spoken. <laughs> right. But so you had this guy. I am well spoken. What do you have to say For about that? the rest that? of the podcast. White dudes. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck yeah. <laughs> Cheers, bro. <laughs> Thanks, dude. I knew you'd still have my back, bro. Yeah. <laughs> so this dude, this black dude went out and he wore a Washington Caucasians t-shirt, which is pretty fucking yeah, hilarious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's pretty fucking hilarious. <laughs> and he got so much shit. Like people were coming up to him on the streets and giving him shit. And his whole deal is just like, here, I'll let him tell you to the shirt was actually a guy who thought it was a Redskins shirt, I imagine, because his first thing he said to me was, go Skins. So, um, like any New Yorker, I simply said, nah. And he responded by calling me an asshole and kept walking. Which is, fair enough, a pretty New York thing yeah, to do. Yeah. An older white woman actually That's stopped. like the most New York interaction I've ever heard in my <laughs> life, you know. ...to me and asked me why I was wearing this shirt. Uh, and I said to her, what's the problem with the shirt? She said, it's disrespectful. Why are you wearing such a disrespectful shirt? So I responded and said, if it was the actual team shirt or some other apparel from the team, would you be mad? She said, no, because that's the logo and that's the brand. So I wouldn't be mad. Yeah, I don't fucking get that, man. I don't get where the block is, the mental block. Yeah. That you can't see how ridiculous that is. Mm-hmm. You know, like, name them the Chippewa or the Fighting Braves or some shit like that. You know what I mean? They have other teams like that, like the Chiefs or the Braves. Yeah. People don't seem to have a yeah. problem with it. And if they did have a problem with, yeah. like, the Chiefs, I'd be like, okay, that's pretty crazy. You know, that's just the Chiefs or whatever. Yeah, but I don't know. My favorite, um, my favorite team mascot name of all time is the Hollywood High School mascot. Do you know what they are? Nah. They're the Hollywood Shakes. <laughs> like they have the full like turban shit on their head. Oh my god. The cafe yay or whatever the fuck you call it. Alright. Anyways, next team. God damn it, oh, Tommy. He's off the he's the off Eagles, the thing. The Eagles. The Eagles. No. The Eagles. The Eagles. Uh you know what can you say? The Super Bowl champions kind of like the Rams stacked all fucking over, but homegrown, home built, which means all that talent came up in their system. 
which means they know what they're doing within the offensive and defensive structures, which is why they have been so very successful compared to his teams who have a lot of talent through free agency. But with the Eagles, I would be very concerned by one Nick Foles. Um, The number one offense of the Eagles has not scored a single point this preseason. Uh, Football is a lot harder when teams know that you're good and they can prepare for the things that you're good at, which is why the Blake Bortles rule always comes into effect. Once NFL teams know what you're doing, can you adjust to it? And remember, Nick Foles had this problem before. He threw like 27 touchdowns and no interceptions that year with Chip Kelly. Next year after that, right back down in the shitter because teams knew what they were looking for. So, um Really, I think this team, people don't think they're going to need Carson Wentz or think, you know, Nick Foles is a great insurance policy, which he clearly is. But if this team wants to repeat, they're going to have to do it with Carson Wentz at quarterback. Okay, next team. Lions. The Lions. Look. (laughs) The Lions, unless they have such an overabundance of talent, they're going to be stuck in their same seven and nine, eight and nine kind of middle area. And the reason that is, is twofold. One, because they're in a division with Aaron Rodgers and now the Minnesota Vikings. Okay. They're going to be better than the Bears. But to leapfrog those two teams can take, it takes a considerable amount of talent, which, which the Lions don't have on both sides of the ball. Number two, that franchise is in such a they have such a lack of inertia they have such kind of that browns mentality yeah. this is just who we are and this is <laughs> who the fuck we're gonna be yeah, forever yeah. we're always gonna fuck four and fives we're never gonna fuck the prom queen <laughs> it's just not it's just not us it's just not something we're gonna do so i think they're gonna have to have one of those situations where there's such an overabundance of talent like you saw in the jaguars last year like you're gonna see on the browns this year that it kind of forces them to break out of that fucking stupor you know but i just don't think that they're going to be there second of all i think matt patricia is a shitty coach okay i have a rule here here's another sean joshi rule (laughs) the new england coaching hires rule let's call it this you do not hire repeat for nfl gms out there you do not hire uh defensive coaches from the New England Patriots. You know why? Because they don't do anything. Mm-hmm. They're just coffee boys or chivalas, <laughs> as we call them, like Papadopoulos was for the Trump campaign. Yeah. They're just coffee boys. You know what I mean? Everything is comes down from Belichick. He's the one who's doing you know, the schemes. He's the one who's game planning for the other team's offense. He's the one who's looking at, the, at that with insight. He's the one who's turning around a completely shit um, – a completely shit New England defense at the beginning of the year into the top three, top three or top defense by the end of the year. So they can lose all of the defensive coaches they want in New England, and that defense is going to come back year after year, and Belichick is going to make them what they are because he is the greatest defensive coach in the history of the fucking game. Now, you know how I know that's true? Look at what the fucking Patriots did when they thought they were going to lose McDaniels. Okay, when they thought they were going to lose Josh McDaniels, they pulled out all of the fucking stops to keep him on that team. 
because Belichick needs offensive coaching, okay? If you look at the Patriots when they're successful in their Super Bowl years, it's always like Weiss or Josh McDaniels. He needs a forward-thinking offensive coach who can push the boundaries on that side of the ball. And if you see when he hasn't had those coaches, Brady has historically struggled in those fucking years, okay? Which is why, you know, I think they're going to be, again, pretty decent this year. And if I, was, if I was the Lions, uh, I wouldn't be <laughs> too, you know, ecstatic about what Matt Patricia is going to do. And, I mean, he already hasn't gotten off to a good start. He had Whenever you have to disclose domestic abuse allegations you never told your employer about, it's <laughs> never off to a good fucking start. Yeah. You know what I mean? But as far as um, what's being heard in camp, what the word is around the Lions, is that uh, you guys had a great draft. With offensive linemen, you know that uh, Frank Ragnow, your first-round pick, a lot of people shat on the Lions for taking a guard so high at 20. and uh, But it seems like um, like he is going to be there on the line at the left guard position for years to come. And also uh, Tyrell Crosby, your fifth-round pick, uh, looks like he's going to be a starting left tackle in this league eventually. So, you know, pro football focus has the Lions graded out as potentially – being one of the good lines in football, which you're going to need that. And Stafford, listen, Stafford to me is one of the underrated guys in football. He can make every every throw there is, every throw that's on the field he can make. He's got an A-plus arm still. So we'll see where it goes with them. But, you know, the division's too tough, and there's just not enough talent. But, uh, you know, starting at the line and building out is a good way to go. Next team. Giants. The Giants, the New York football Giants, and I have to disclose something. A part of my heart belongs to the Giants because I am a complete and total Peyton Manning stan. (laughs) So in a lot of ways, uh, you know, the Colts were not very loyal to my dear, sweet Peyton. And I Mm. take it as uh, one of the biggest uh, slaps in the face in the history of sports. Uh, You know, I think the last guy to commit such treasonous activities was Benedict Arnold himself. (laughs) So a certain part of me will never forgive the Indianapolis Colts. He built that city. The Indianapolis <laughs> No, literally. We would not have Lucas Oil Stadium. We would not have the billion-dollar JW Marriott yeah. down there. We wouldn't have uh, tons of new development down there uh, if it was not for Peyton Manning and, and what he did for that city. And, yeah, we just, we just you know— you know, a 20, 20 year old blonde from Stanford came along and <laughs> and we just kicked our faithful wife who yeah. made all the money in the goddamn family. Mm. You know what I mean? And kicked her out. So I, I'm kind of a small part of me. I would never admit publicly is a little happy. The Colts suck right now because how oh, how dare you treat Peyton Manning like that? <laughs> OK, and I'm just like Game of Thrones. And I'll tell you what way my king left in exile. I left with my king. OK, that was my fucking king. So um, Are you a Peyton fan before you're a Colts fan? No, I was a Colts fan sure, before yeah. I was a Peyton fan. But there were be no Indianapolis Colts without Peyton Manning. Yeah. They're synonymous. You can't separate one from the other. And the fact that yeah. they did that, I think kind of what's going on now is a little bit of karma. Andrew Luck hasn't played in two, three damn years. Mm. You're telling me, and we don't know how if he's going to be good again. We traded Peyton's last four or five years. He went to two Super Bowls for this bullshit. Yeah, that's true. I'm over it. But the point of the Manning, point of the Manning being, the point of it, <laughs> the point of it being, I love the Giants because I can still live through Eli a little bit. You know what I mean? 
vicariously a little of that Manning magic and that the way the way he took down the Patriots. The greatest game of my life oh, was that man. Super Bowl when Your I saw. Season. Oh my God, that <laughs> ball floating to an open Plaxico Burris in oh, the end man. zone. Oh my God, my heart fluttered. You know, it was it was like falling in love for the first time. You know, so the Giants this year, I'm very sad about Eli because I think he may be done. You know, I could be wrong about that, but I'm often wrong about the Giants. Every year, I think the Giants are gonna suck. Uh, they win the Super Bowl. You know what I mean? <laughs> so, and every year, I think they're good. They're like the worst team that there absolutely like ever was. So I don't know. I the Giants are a team that's completely confusing to me. Um, but I do have words of advice for Odell Beckham Jr. And that is this: who just signed a huge forty-one million dollar contract today? Congratulations! Uh, future off seasons. When you're in Europe, don't get Biebered, okay? <laughs> and by that I mean don't get caught in bed with women taking a video of you doing illicit things. I don't know if you remember that happened with Bieber, Bieber in um, Brazil or whatever, but it happened to OBJ this offseason. I believe he was in Amsterdam or somewhere in Europe. And uh, he's in bed naked. Not naked. The chick is scantily clad. He's got a fully... Like, basically, I recognize this scene. He's got the blunt and the pizza. This is 3.30 <laughs> in the morning. He is fucked up. And this chick is recording him. And it doesn't uh. seem it, he doesn't seem to know. And there's just like lines of cocaine all over the place too. Like she's cutting up lines, and you can kind of hear him say something at the beginning of the video. Trying to get you to sleep with. <laughs> He's like, I'm trying to get you to sleep with like one of his homies in the room or something. Mm -hmm. And she's like cutting up lines in her lap. So like OBJ, like just be smart about what you're doing. But you do continue the great New York Giants uh, tradition like Lawrence Taylor, of doing tons of cocaine in public. You know what I mean? But to be fair, uh, you are a football player, so it's probably Vicodin or Oxy, right? <laughs> like you do at halftime. But, yeah, weed is bad. You know what I mean? All right, next team. <laughs> All right, Seattle. Seattle! Um, Seattle is going through a sea change. Don't you know when life changes, you know? Like, this is how fucked up I am. A sea I change? I, well, a sea change, that's an actual term. The name of one of yeah, Beck's yeah. albums. One of Beck's great albums. Um, <laughs> the Scientologist. The Scientologist, as referenced last week. <laughs> but um, it's like, you know, I kind of measure my life by uh, teams, like the life of teams and the careers of athletes. Mm -hmm. So, for instance... Like, I started to feel like, okay, you know, I'm not going to be in my 20s forever when Reggie Miller retired. And that was, like, probably when I was 26 or 27 or something like that. Yeah. When Payne Manning retired, it was like, oh, fuck, I really am bald. You know what I mean? <laughs> so, like, when Andrew Luck retires, I'm going to be, like, fucking 40 or some shit. You know what I mean? Like, who even knows, right? <laughs> so, like, I kind of measure time like that, you know? Also by pop culture, like I remember yeah, yeah. in school, like we switched our periods, went from 30 minutes to 90 minute blocks. We didn't have as many a day. Mm -hmm. Said 90 minute blocks. How am I going to get through this? So I would say, okay, that's just three episodes of Family Matters. You know what I mean? <laughs> or three episodes of Full House, you know? So like to me, Seattle, like it's the end of an era because they're not that same team that was just dominant year in, year out, threat yep. to go to the uh, Super Bowl. And, you know, I think I think franchises, you have a hangover. You know, when you trade a Peyton Manning, it takes a while for a franchise to readjust. The Colts are still readjusting. When you don't run the ball 
at the one yard line in the Super Bowl, you know what I mean? And you throw an interception oh, instead. It takes a while. That's a traumatic experience. And I don't think the Seattle Seahawks ever, ever got into it. It's like when I sent Julie Lesher flowers in um, when I was 15 and she had a job at the Hobby Lobby. And I declared my undying love for her and she rejected me, Tommy. Can you yeah. imagine how traumatic that was, Tommy? I feel you, dude. You yeah. feel me? I can still feel it. Overclamped. But, like, it takes a while to <laughs> get over comedian. that. Yeah, that's why that's the sole reason. Thanks, Julie. That's why I'm a comedian. But um but yeah, I don't think Seattle, I think that franchise could have gone left or right. If Marshawn Lynch would have ran that ball in, I think so I think, easily. I so think the Seahawks are still contending and the whole vibe and aura around Pete Carroll and that team is very different. I think Pete Carroll wears out his welcome after three, four years. That's why you even see at USC, he comes in, everybody loves it, four or five years, everyone's sick of the rah-rah, kumbaya, optimism bullshit, right? So with this, we're going to see what happens. I mean, this is not the same defense. No longer has Cam Chancellor, Michael Bennett, Cliff Avril, or Richard Sherman. So we're going to see what happens. The defense is probably going to be a little shit, but it looks like uh, you found some uh, secondary in Lorenzo Jerome, second-year safety. And fifth-round rookie Trey Flowers looks like he's going to be a player. But without a defense, this is now Russell Wilson's team. And it does look like he's going to have some receivers. Doug Baldwin's going to be back in week one. They have a lot of uh, depth there. And also Brandon Marshall, who nobody knew what they were going to get out of him, really looks uh, like he's not only going to be legit, like he's going to have a good Brandon Marshall year. So it's Russell Wilson, who I'm pretty sure is a Westworld robot because nobody is as corny and cheesy as Russell Wilson. I don't even think it's possible. Moving on. Vikings. The Vikings. Uh, Vikings. Sick. Sick. They have everything. I think this is the most complete team in football. Uh, they got defense. They got offense. I like Kirk Cousins. Uh, Adam Thielen, Stefan Diggs. I mean, this team has everything everywhere that you want it. Uh, I really think, you know, the a couple big things about this team is I think the tackling rule is really going to get at this team heavy because they play vicious. They play fast. Mike Zimmer likes to play like that, and they're already fucking shit up. Their fullback <laughs> got a penalty for tackling. So I don't know. I know Zimmer hates it already. You know, he goes, it's just hard to figure it out. No one has ever said to me, we're going to get this straightened out in the regular season or we're going to come up with a revised rule. No one has ever said that. And Zimmer said it's going to cost people jobs, playoff positions. So I already think it's in their head a little bit. Um, and, you know, my whole thing, if you haven't been listening to the podcast, uh, the game of football has changed, okay? This this um, this rule is going to change the game. And it, it, just in terms of how you're tackling, it's a complete sea change, <laughs> um, and you have to retrain yourself. And I think the most um, dramatic way or like the one statistic you're going to be able to point at is points uh, per game. Uh, football's going to change. We're just going to see this become more and more of an offensive game until you're going to see averages in the 30s and the 40s and maybe by the end of you know the centuries into the 50s and the 60s. But that's where this game is headed. It's not like quite, you know, the three point rule, but it's, it's very similar to when basketball introduced uh, the three point line in terms of the effect it's going to have on the game. Um, the other thing uh, that I think uh, the Vikings are kind of, um, you know, 
as you can look at them as a single team and it's indicative of the team of the league as a whole is you know they had in one game where they lost six players in injury to the Jaguars six players and we're seeing where you know now human beings are reaching the potential the limits of the potential of the human body and they're forcing what the human body can do so much that we're going to see more and more and more and more injuries and you know and then you have the steroids and hgh on top of it which compounds that and you know the example that i can give is bo jackson bo jackson is the greatest athlete i've ever seen uh you know there's the rumors that he ran a 4 240 which would still be the legend he's the simply the greatest athlete i've ever seen uh two sports baseball football but he tore his hip out against the Cleveland Browns and the way he did that is his body created so much torque that it absolutely just like fucking ripped his leg out of there and he had to get an artificial hip in his 20s and he was never the fucking same we were robbed by seeing the greatest athlete in football you know maybe ever you know so and the reason because his body he was just such a better athlete than everybody so you know football you're just seeing all these injuries and it takes away all of these great 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 players to the point where they got to figure out like some type of you know technology or something that they can do to where to where you know it's not even the concussion thing it's like torn acls and mcls you got to find a quicker way to get them on the field that's why we need the luke thing from star wars you know the tank that luke is in we need the tank that luke is in i don't know if that thing is full of stem cells or whatever the fuck is in it we need the Luke tank so that we can get people in in a week or two. And then I've solved concussions. You want to know how I solved concussions? How's that? The truth. This is how I solved concussions. Tell the truth. Tell the truth. Tell the truth. Tell the truth, Tommy. Tell the truth. I will tell the truth. <laughs> that is, of course, from the movie Concussions starring Will Smith. I will tell the truth. Are you ready? Yeah. This is how you solve concussions. Uh-huh. Magnets. On the player's helmets? Do you hear me? So they repel each other? Magnets. Yes! <laughs> Magnets! Tell me I'm crazy. You yo, can't. Yo, that might work. I mean, so like- <laughs> it might work. But you're telling me if they spent $15 million on helmet research, we couldn't come up with a concussion-free helmet? We absolutely fucking could. It's mm. bullshit. And you know how it starts? Magnets. Magnets. <laughs> Put magnets in the helmet and let them start hitting each other again. Put magnets in the helmet and let them start hitting each other again. <laughs> now you're getting it. Magnets. All right. Next team. All right. The Saints. The Saints. Um, another team to keep an eye on is potential to come out of the NFC. Saints like go through these weird periods where they're like, <laughs> like a five and eleven team, and then. You know, then they'll have a year or two where they look like, you know, they can win a Super Bowl like they did. I think those are one of those years um, in terms of just those guys who are standing out of camp. Backup QB, Taysom Hill, looks good. Good enough that he may even be potentially down the line somebody who might be able to replace Drew Brees. That's how high they are on his potential. And it looks like Marcus Davenport, the defensive end, who they traded up into the first round and get, and everyone's shitting on them. Like, what are the Saints doing? What are the Saints doing? Looks like the real fucking deal, boys. So everything is trending well for the Saintsies. The D looks good. Breeze is breeze. You know? So even though they're a little bit thin at wide receiver, it doesn't matter. Because Breeze will get people on this contract paid. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, And Peyton Manning did the same fucking thing. I saw, you know, Eric Decker retired. 
Eric Decker retired. Mm. He didn't have a good fucking year in his life without Peyton Manning. Do you know how many kids Peyton Manning put through college of <laughs> their bum-ass fathers didn't deserve those goddamn contracts? Drew Brees uh. has done the same thing. So, yeah, Drew Brees is going to get bums paid just like Peyton got bums paid. And uh, speaking of Peyton's, uh, Sean Payton still looks like he's writing the team medicine drawer. Like, remember when he got uh, suspended for a year for the whole, like, um, like where they used to order hits on people? And yeah. then it, like, also found out that Sean Mc- oh, not Sean McVay, Sean Payton was, like, stealing all the Oxy and Vicodin in the trainer's room. <laughs> Damn. Party you know what boy. I mean? Like, he's got those eyes, like those raccoon <laughs> eyes. Like what, what Bars will say about Pete Davidson, those butthole eyes or whatever. You know what I mean? Like... I've been up in Vegas partying with what are like, like, I don't know. Like he's been up in Vegas partying with what may or may not be drag queens. Like he's just too Viking and out of his oxy brain to tell. You know what I mean? So I look forward to seeing how high Sean Payton is on the sidelines this year. Next team. Keep pounding. Panthers. The Panthers. Cam Newton, baby. Cam. North Carolina. Uh, you like, is that your team? I mean, I don't follow them that much, but that's who I That's where you're from? Yeah. Oh, because Tommy's very poncy. Poncy. He likes the (laughs) EPL. Um, (laughs) The Panthers. We got to finish this up quick. But the Panthers, I think Cam is the most underrated player in the league. Amen. You know, he's in that kind of like Serena Williams position where he just gets shit for no reason. Other than the reason you can probably guess. The weird fucking hats? Yeah. Well, I mean, he deserves shit for the way that he dresses, (laughs) but not for the way that he performs on the field. And, like, he gets shit out of everybody. Like, even Kelvin Benjamin, his his receiver from the last couple of years, was taking shots at him, which if you haven't seen the video of Cam confronting him on the field, I'm a big fan of that. Because too many people with social media, you can just, like, oh, subtweet or just talk shit on Instagram. Yeah, yeah. But Cam was not about He went straight to that motherfucker's face. And he's mm-hmm. like, yo, dog, what's the issue? Yeah. And, like, the tic- typical millennial bitch that he is, Calvin, Calvin Benjamin just walked away. Like, mm-hmm. he didn't want anything yeah. to do with it. Confront people you talk shit about. Yeah. Talk to their face. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you're just a bitch. Okay. But yeah, they don't have um they haven't had receivers forever. So it's like kind of been unfair, you know, with Cam cuz he hasn't had much to work with. When he has had receivers, he's always done really well. I think this year he's got a core group of talent that's going to develop and I don't know if that development will happen this year or next year, but I think they finally have a core group there that's going to come through for him eventually. You know, Devin Funches is the number 1. But it really comes down to what's going to happen with DJ Moore and second-year receiver Curtis Samuel. You know, if those guys develop, especially DJ Moore. You know, I think DJ Moore is capable of taking that number one spot from Devin Funches. If those guys um, develop and Cam has guys to throw to, then to me, you know, Cam is so talented, this team is capable of anything. Next team. Last team, Atlanta Falcons. The Falcons. All right, I think Atlanta's boring, which is why (laughs) I saved them. For the last team, like they're just franchises that it doesn't matter who's on them. I just think they're boring. You know what I mean? Like the Tennessee Titans could be the most exciting franchise ever. But to me, they will always be the default creative franchise team in Madden. That is just like what they always will be to me. And I think Atlanta is just boring. I don't know why. I've always thought so. Like your team is fine. You know, I don't think they're over the colossal fuck up of the Super Bowl two years ago. That stays with you for a while. It's like the Seattle thing. You know, it's like waking up in Reno. 
<laughs> and finding a dead hooker next to you and you don't really remember anything and it's not even Vegas, it's Reno. <laughs> you know? But I don't think they're over it. And, and quite frankly, I don't think I'm over it either. That and the Marshawn thing, you know? Like either God or the devil is a Patriots fan and I'm not sure which one it is. <laughs> you know, maybe it's both. Maybe it's both. I don't know. But uh, I wouldn't worry about Calvin Ridley. I know he's looked drop seed in games, but he's been much better in camp. And uh, seventh round pick, Foyer. Olu, I don't know how I say his name. Oluo Kuhn. He's a seventh round pick from Yale. The coaches love him. He's already making plays. That guy will be starting by you know the end of the year. He'll be in the rotation by the end of the year, starting by next year. But uh, whenever I think of the Falcons, I think of my brother's friend, Patrick. He works for Google now, so maybe I shouldn't say his last name. But it was uh, during the time of the Mike Vick thing. Like, we grew up in Indiana, right? So we our house was kind of like, it's where everyone hung out, but it was also like a place for different opinions than, you know, our friends would usually get because yeah. it's pretty, like, conservative, like, churches on every corner, and my family was not like that. And, uh, yeah, so <laughs> Patrick comes over. It's during the Mike Vick thing. And let me just preface this by saying, like, we love animals, okay? We're a vegetarian household or whatever so we're like yeah mike vick was bad but our whole thing is like this is during the election or whatever and sarah palin is hanging out of helicopters <laughs> shooting like defenseless deer and moose and like wolves which are dogs yeah so it's like what's the difference really right and patrick was like yeah huh you're right so he went back and he told his parents that they grounded him for like three weeks <laughs> God, yeah, yeah. They grounded him for three weeks saying that, like, Sarah Palin is no different than Michael <laughs> 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 Which to me was like, <laughs> which was the greatest thing. Like, we, indro we, indo we indoct indoctrinated him yeah, on yeah. how animal life is like red equal and shit. We red pilled that motherfucker. <laughs> we red pilled that fucking cuck, bro. <laughs> yeah. But so it's like funny because like, yeah, like Indians are vegetarians, <laughs> but, you know, like in 1950, 90% of the country was vegetarian. And now to the corrupt in influence of Westerners, it's like 50 to 60%. But I then you not see, know that. nobody knows that. And when like even growing up, when you would think of like um, Indians or whatever, people would think our cuisine was ridiculous, like and shit like that. And it's like vegetarian. And I blame one scene. I'm going to play the scene and you see if you can name that movie. Okay. This is a scene that was responsible for everyone thinking Redemption. weird shit. It's definitely John Williams. Chilled a monkey brain. Chilled monkey brains. Name that movie, Tommy. Indiana Jones? Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. Ding, 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 ding. I hated that fucking movie. Because I'm like, yo, no Indians. We don't eat bugs or boa constrictors, and we certainly don't eat... Monkey brain. My mom is literally making lentils right now and fucking cauliflower bread. What the fuck is this weird shit? Like, you guys are the ones... Like, have you ever seen a rare steak or medium rare? Like, you have practically have to get a straw to drink up all the cow's blood. Like, you're drinking room uh. room temperatures cow blood, and you think vegetarian Indians are weird. You know what I mean? Mm. 
But thus ends our 2018 NFC preview. Claps all around. Claps all around. Claps all around. Tommy was great. Tommy, what'd you learn today? Oh, wow. A lot. A lot about different football teams, especially the poor ownership of the Redskins being comparable to the Knicks. That's a... There we go. If one thing should be gleaned from this podcast, let it be that Jim Dolan and Dan Snyder are uh, Eskimo brothers of shittiness. That you, was, I mean? you also dropped some low-key knowledge about signing running backs. Yeah. You know what I mean? Tommy, I know what I'm talking you, about. I was I was really impressed with you this episode. I know like, what I'm talking a about. A wealth, a wealth of knowledge. Yeah, I should be I should be running a team. Okay, but so we're going to end it on the way that we end all of our podcasts now. <laughs> Last week, I played a clip. I, I love, like, history, and I'm an old radio guy. I love radio and history radio. I can already hear the young people joining out. It's important to note something. But, um, yeah, so one of my favorite radio guys ever is Paul Harvey, and he did this awesome little – he was known, you know, around the country for it, and it was called – and now that's the rest of the story. And what he would do is he would tell, like, uh, an important – or a story from American history or an American figure. And he would do it in a way that only revealed who that person was or the event uh, at the very end. So it's in a very interesting, revealing way. So we are going to do our own sports and now the rest of the story, except for ours uh, don't involve American history as much as uh, great sports sports moments involving strippers, uh, <laughs> drugs, or whiskey. Like, for instance, last week we had Max McGee, who is a unheralded, unheralded Super Bowl uh, one MVP who caught two touchdowns, also had a threesome the night before and showed up hungover and lost his helmet. <laughs> <laughs> so this uh, will be ending on this. It is our fanatics. And now the rest of the story. Charles was sick. He grew up in Oklahoma all his life. Never expected to make anything of it, but he did. He'd moved to the big city and became a big success in ways he'd never dreamed. Saw a world he couldn't imagine on his Oklahoma farm. Made a lot of money and had a lot of fun. But that didn't matter now. Charles was sick and the illness wasn't going anywhere. He tried to ignore it for months, work around it, and he did. He was able to work around it and become one of the top producers in his profession. Everybody at work said it was his best year yet, but Charles was sick. He thought maybe it was because of it, even despite of this illness, that Charles has had the best work year of his life. Nobody at work knew about it, or anybody in his life, for that matter, except for his wife. For you see, she was sick too. But they didn't tell anybody about their illness. Charles went about his life, in many ways his hard-charging life. He drank with the boys after they punched out for the day. But I guess they didn't so much as drink with the boys as the boys drank with him. All except one of his co-workers. This co-worker's name was Roger. Roger went about his work fastidiously and he never went out afterwards. He was one of Charles's best friends but also his biggest competition. For you see, Roger was Roger Maris, and this wasn't just any year, this was 1961. And Charles Mickey Mantle was in a home run battle for the ages. Both sluggers for the New York Yankees had gone back and forth, trading that home run lead, vying to beat Babe Ruth's record of 60. 
But here they were now. Toward the end of the year, Mick had 53 homers, Tamaris is 56. But the greatest show in the history of baseball was going to end. Because Mickey Mantle, the most famous player in the game, was sick. And this wasn't just any sickness. Mickey Mantle had the SIF. That's right. The untreated syphilis had caught an abscess to open up on the mixed hip. It kept growing and growing until it resembled a gaping open war wound. The Mick would have to shut down the most thrilling home run race that ever existed. Him and Maris had been trading the lead back and forth, and it was now Maris's to take, and Roger would take it. He would hit 61 home runs that year, but who knows what would have happened to the greatest record in the history of sports if its greatest player had just wrapped it up. <laughs> Mick would go on to say, I led the league in the clap seven years in a row. My wife was second. And now you know the rest of the story. That's our show, guys. Come back and see us again next week. New Times Monday. Find us at Fanatics on Instagram and Twitter. Love you guys. Good night.